0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good morning, everyone. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is Monday, May eighteenth, two 2020. We hope that you have enjoyed the shows over the last couple weeks, particularly talking about the NCAAs, name, image, and likeness uh, deal and conversation, specifically allowing student athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness, and what that competition might look like. Then the week prior, so that was last week, the week prior, we had the uh, National Basketball Association's foray into the uh, Professional Pathway Program, which essentially allows high school athletes to avoid going to college and going directly into the G League or the Gatorade League, formerly the D League or Development League, that allows uh, younger athletes to progress uh, without having to go through the NCAA. This week, we're going to take a little bit of a a different path. We're going to get into the entertainment sector and talking about the uh, theatrical windows, and what that might look like if those theatrical windows collapsed. So first we'll sort of start out talking about what a theatrical window is, but then we'll get into uh, how this actually relates back to sports uh, in terms of uh, the current sort of economy, experiential economy and and, and um, how companies are changing and, and what some of those things look like, specifically looking at Apple and Apple's recent purchase of a virtual reality company and what they might be using that for uh, beyond the obvious, but also discussing the obvious. So uh, sort of looking at, you know, obviously theatrical windows, what is a theatrical window? Well, theatrical window is, and and don't feel bad if you don't know what this is, but it's essentially to where, let's say that a studio uh, produces a film. They get all the contracts together, they have all the intellectual property rights uh, ready to go. Uh, They have uh, pre-production, production, production, post-production done, and they get all their distribution agreements going. And then they're essentially in the market to distribute the film, right? And they say, okay, well, you know, after it runs in the theater for either one, a certain period of time and or a period of time that is based on the success of the film, you know, uh, a sort of blockbuster film that, you know, stays in the theater for a month or two, right? Um, You know, a few weeks at least. And, you know, ultimately, uh, after that theatrical run, it goes into, uh, you know, a DVD sale or goes into a rental purchase, it goes into a streamer, right? That's typically the the pathway, not necessarily that order. It's usually rental, then uh, then streamer then then uh, sort of purchase as a as a DVD of course, DVDs in this sort of day and age are um, kind of like cds in the sense that uh, there is a small but very very much declining market for it uh, but that being said, uh, ultimately most of this uh, most of the consumption is either done you know digitally through either uh, television or it's done through some sort of smart TV and and, uh, um, a streamer. But the importance of that theatrical window is really something that is historical, but it also has to do with something that's very practical. And the historical side is just, it's the way that it's been done, right? Movies get made and then they get distributed and the theaters like AMC or Regal or Cinemark will have those uh, opportunities and, um, There's even something going back to the Paramount decrees back in the 1940s, I think it was 1949. There was even antitrust litigation over this because a lot of the studios used to essentially own the talent, own the films and own the theaters. And of course the government came in and said, you can't own the theaters. Uh, Recently, some of those rules have been laxed as the market has changed. And a lot of these uh, platforms are allowing for direct to consumer consumption but that being said uh there is a history and there's a history of allowing films to go through a theatrical window and there's been talk about collapsing the theatrical window in terms of shortening it. there's been talk about getting rid of it and of course the practical side of this is that the academy um, has essentially not allowed for this to happen uh, and for good reason and that they sort of want the public to experience the sort of film process the process of sitting in theater they want to be able to have that time to choose what films are going to be academy award winners or not what ones are going to be uh you know selected uh or or at least reviewed right and in that sense there's tradition there's history but then there's also a practical side of it and of course a lot of the studios The big sort of uh, studios like, let's say, uh, Disney or um, formerly Fox, which is obviously now with Disney, or Paramount, um, or even, let's say, the streamers like Netflix, where uh, they might allow a film to run in a theater for one week, but then go straight to the streamer. And of course, with everything going on with COVID-19 and studios being shut down and whatnot, There has been this tendency to get rid of uh, the theatrical window, and uh, you have a film in the hopper, you have it ready to go. Why wait for a theatrical sort of window when theaters open up uh, and just go direct to consumer? And of course, there is arguments on both sides of this, and this has been a big fight for a long time. But I think you know some things to think about in terms of what would happen if theatrical windows were either collapsed or, um, you know, essentially gotten rid of, and obviously this would have to be a deal uh, to be made with the Academy in terms of figuring out, um, you know, what would happen to films that wanted to be considered for awards, because currently they have to go through the theatrical window. Now, there's been some litigation about this. There's been some talk about this, but let's say assuming that this uh, that there was a deal made and that theatrical windows were not a necessary requirement for a film? Well, the first thing to think about is there'd be less distribution cost, right, from a physical standpoint, as everything is converted to digital. You know, you would no longer have the requirement of, you know, uh, working out deals with movie theaters in terms of distributing. You'd have the option of going direct to consumer. I imagine there would still be films and studios that would pursue the Physical distribution going to the theaters for uh, monetary purposes for the crowd that still loves to go to the theaters, myself included, uh, but also love the streaming aspect of as well. Um, you know, so again, I think there'd be less distribution costs and um, I think there'd be less wait time for consumers, obviously, right? You wouldn't have to wait to go to the movie or pay that fee. Folks just may end up just paying a fee to watch it from home. Uh, But I think inevitably that fee from watching from home would would be less than paying to travel to a movie theater, paying for whatever uh, cost of food from the concession stands, that sort of thing. And there'll be a host of other reasons that uh, we can get into, but let's uh, very quickly take a short commercial break and we will be right back. Being Home with Hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers, artists, and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities, their homes. If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live, or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. All right, folks, we're back and we were talking about theatrical windows and specifically if studios and the Academy could work out a deal to allow uh, for the option of theatrical windows, meaning that some films could pursue it if they wanted, other films could not. And of course this is a big maybe because this has been a fight for years and a discussion for years. A lot of studios had really shied away from this. And the first couple reasons that we talked about why this might be a good idea is one that it's less distribution cost from a physical standpoint. You don't have to work out deals with the theaters. Number two is that it's less wait time for consumers. You're not sitting around waiting for a movie to go through the theater. If you don't want to go to the theater or whatever it might be, particularly true in the COVID-19 period, some folks who just don't want to leave home. And there's some governments who are uh, uh, essentially ordering folks to stay home. So obviously less wait time is, is a big deal here where folks, instead of paying to go to a movie theater, they maybe pay a higher fee to just watch the film from home. And of course there's been evidence of some studios who have a film in the hopper and are instead of waiting for a theatrical window to open when theaters open back up, which they have in certain States. Um, I think about 20, 20 plus States have opened up. Um, but of course, uh, in terms of the media, what's being covered by the media, it's mostly New York and California the two biggest states. And of course, where the media is mostly focused, uh, but there has been a ton of states that have opened up and uh, opened up successfully to this point. Now the bad side of this is that less people get to go to the movie theater, right? Or maybe there's less preference to go to the movie theater. Maybe movie theaters suffer from this. And, and i of course, enjoy the movie going experience. Uh, so that's something that have to be worked out right and have to be considered. Now, Again, though, I think going back to the fact that with their current circumstances and the current sort of societal situation, uh, not having delays is a good thing, especially where people are looking for content. Now, of course, another good thing about this is that many studios already have a sort of streaming or distribution platform. You know, Disney has Disney Plus. Uh, Warner has, uh, through the AT&T deal, and Warner Media obviously has HBO Max. Uh, you have NBC Universal that has Peacock. Uh, you have so many different distribution platforms that you can work into here that uh, frankly would make distribution a lot easier for some of these companies, right? Now, it, what is sort of interesting about this and sort of changing gears a little bit here, remember in the beginning of the episode, we talked about Apple and how Apple would might play into this. Well, Apple recently purchased, a VR company, virtual reality sort of uh, company, and and some of their technology. And the idea is is that this is Apple's sort of going to be Apple's foray into sports. Now, the obvious here is that this is Apple's way to get into gaming. They already have a platform for this. This is just a way to have Apple and Macs and iPhones and iPads and whatever platforms they have for gaming to get into gaming. And this is a VR way to do that. The other side of this is potentially Apple sort of foray into sports and what Apple potentially use VR in any sort of sports production. They have the Apple Plus platform. We'll see how that plays out. Now, this also brings up something that uh, this show talked about a while back in terms of talking about industry innovations. I think this was back in March and there was a company that I came across that had this first-person perspective for sports, meaning that you would tack on a small camera to you know, say, a helmet or a baseball cap or whatever it might be, where it was not intrusive to the player, but it provided a fan a different view of the game. And of course, safety issues aside, right? And that, that's a big if, but safety issues aside, something that could be fantastic in terms of opening up new opportunities, broadcast opportunities, And this somewhat kind of converts back to the NCAA name it, name, image, and likeness stuff, because if you have a first person perspective for sports, potential there for a player, again, big if broadcast rights and all that, is able to broadcast some of um, that first person perspective onto their social media platforms and to promote brands that way. Now, this also goes into the experiential economy and, and what consumers want. Consumers this day and age want an experience. And of course, this goes back to the theatrical windows. And uh, the movie going experience is an experience, right? And so there's always going to be people who are to, going to want to experience a theater. There's something to be said about sitting in a theater and being involved in that process, right? Now, what does this mean for Apple? You know, anybody could say here, I think, the, again, the obvious here is going to be uh, gaming. But I think this opens up opportunities for first-person perspective sports. I think there's enough platforms out there. And with the current circumstances, I think people are looking for content. Uh, I think UFC was the prime example of having an event um, without fans, but it being very successful. I think the report was you know, 47 million viewers or something like this that, that that tuned into that. I mean, that's a big audience, right? So people are looking for content. They're looking for direct-to-consumer And I think Apple is sort of, again, moving in that direction. And I think uh, the collapsing of any theatrical windows um, and looking at some of the studios and if they might be able to work on a deal with the Academy and the awards season and all that, uh, or if you had a bold enough studio just to do it and just to see what happened. Uh, There has been some litigation and some discussion about the unfair treatment of one movie versus another because they don't go to the movie theater versus not. Again, times change everything, right? I think uh, at the end of the day, we need to be open to change. We need to be open to not being tied to the past or sort of um, demonizing the future. You know, I think we need to be open to what the future might hold and, um, and, and sort of seeing how that plays out, right? So uh, again, folks, um, you know, appreciate you listening in that's this week's episode, uh, of believe in sports law, talking about entertainment, media, and sports topics. And I'm your host, Jeremy Evans, and, uh, always honored that you, you listen in and appreciate you listening in and, uh, uh, wish and hope that you have a great week and hopefully uh, our country and our economy and our leaders, uh, will be blessed going forward. And, uh, And hopefully things will uh, folks be able to go outside and be able to do more things as we as we sort of see this thing forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for BLEAV on YouTube.